0: the very rules of evil, of negativity and singularity, including the ultimate form of singularity, which is how can change the, okay. okay. the world state of things in of violence without object This is the typical violence of Violent, because what happens there uh, is a the murder of the, queen, the vanishing point of reality.
1: Let's not have misunderstanding here. Welcome to podcast with Cooper Cherry. I'm very excited today because this will be our first episode with uh, theme music. Um, oh hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, you're really lucky. I've got a uh, Nick, aka at Stellar joining me today, but, um, Hello. yeah, so, uh, I'm John, <laughs> John from, uh, beep beep at, uh, Facebook villain, Damn. I contracted him to do a little theme music for the pod. So this will be the premiere episode. I thought about going back and inserting it into my last episode, but I'm like, eh, fuck it. But this is the first real time. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. This will be dope. I'm honored. So I've got like, uh, it's kind of this electronic, uh, beat, but I've got a little like Baudrillard um, like a lecture I found on YouTube oh, that yes. I had him like sample, so that'll be really cool. Uh, but uh, Nick is co-host of the Proletarian Contrarian podcast. I've had him on before. We did an episode on Malatesta's mm-hmm. anarchism or anarchy. I forget the specific title.
0: I think it's just anarchy. But um, but
1: yeah, that's that, uh,
0: This is my second appearance, and I'm glad to be back.
1: Episode was titled Malatestify. Uh, we kind of walked through that, and that's kind of similar to the format we'll be doing today. Um, before we get into that, though, I was recently a guest on the Proletarian Contrarian podcast talking about David Lynch's Dune, which listeners of the show will know that I absolutely adore. And so I, we will definitely uh, be throwing that episode yeah. way up in the uh, show notes in the links. That'll be our top one, probably, aside yeah. from this piece. Are you going to play the
0: the theme music now?
1: No, no. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna throw it in at the beginning. Gotcha. Yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, so, all that post-production <laughs> magic. But yeah, so the article we decided to look into was called is called rather democratic confederalism, and is written by Abdullah Ossalan, who is a Kurdish uh, national. Who is, <laughs> and the reason we decided to do this piece was uh, Nick and I. I think after going through and talking about Malatesta you sort of began to question whether you were kind of like how much of an anarchist you really were
0: well yeah i mean i want to be clear i'm i'm still my my politics are still pretty nebulous um i don't think it's a problem necessarily i'm still kind of figuring yeah. out stuff i'm still learning um being on this podcast is very much a learning process for me it's it's part of my um my my pedagogy i guess um but yeah i i approach appear on the show um as a process of developing my very uh unformed politics um such as they are and yeah this this piece kind of it it was very instructive it it was a good it was a good pick
1: yeah and i mean i think too that i'm in the same position as well as in terms of really getting because a lot of the like anarchist specific stuff sure or you know this even we'll get into this a little bit but this is probably something that would be more broadly like a libertarian socialist project than like an ancom hard ancom but that's you know what i mean yeah i yeah i can see that of course you know how (laughs) with these sectarian type divisions things can get a little bit crazy
0: just the politicization of of nerd of nerd yeah exactly (laughs) that's that's all it is
1: for sure um but yeah so ocelon is a really interesting character i want to introduce a little bit about him because i think he's definitely like i said very interesting for sure um he's often referred to as simply APO and there is a sort of an ideology perhaps called Apoism, mm. as well. And so he's pretty popular. He is leader of the Kurdistan workers party or PKK. He I, was, and I believe he helped found it back in the seventies or something. Yeah I, yeah, I believe that's right. Um, he was arrested in Kenya famously, I believe in even in Nairobi in 1999. Um, which was a joint effort i believe between the turks turkish government and the cia of course yes i'm looking at the wikipedia page right now <laughs> so yeah interestingly was sentenced to solitary confinement on an island prison very it's classic like it's very fucking yeah. papillon or something yeah. crazy like that but Jeez. no i guess there were other prisoners on the island papillon was on okay um, but yeah a he was in that I think up until something like 2010 or 11 and I don't know the information I found like it seemed like he didn't wasn't under solitary after that point like there were other prisoners but I wasn't able to really find like like where that diverged so
0: um, Wikipedia does say that from from 1999 until 2009 he was the sole prisoner on, um, on the island in the Sea of uh, Marmara but then it doesn't really say like Correct. You mentioned yeah. other prisoners or anything like. that. Yeah, it, it it's unclear if if there were other prisoners introduced at that time, or if he was moved somewhere else, or or if he kind of, or if he was freed at that point. But um, but yeah, Jesus, ten years. That's
1: of solitary.
0: Yeah, that's fucking intense. That's tor- it's torture.
1: Yeah, um, and then broadly speaking, a little description of democratic confederalism itself. There is no private property, but rather. Ownership by use, which grants individuals usage rights to buildings, land, infrastructure, but not the right to sell and buy on the market or convert them into private enterprises. The economy is in the hands of the communal councils and is thus neither collectivized nor privatized, but it is common. Feminism, ecology, and direct democracy are the essential pillars of democratic confederalism. And to that end, I also want to do a little dive into the background of the PKK, which started um, as originally was more of a kind of a Marxist-Leninist-Vanguardist type of a movement. Among admirers, and this is actually going to be from an, another text that I pulled this from, but I, I'll i post this in the links, but I wanted to get this really good breakdown of the PKK Among admirers of the new PKK, particularly anarchists and libertarian socialists like myself, there is a common narrative of the PKK's transformation. It was a Stalinist party leading a guerrilla war in the 80s and 90s, and while it enjoyed support among the oppressed Kurdish minority in Turkey who saw it as their champion, its goal of a national self-determination was insufficient for winning liberation. What's more, the PKK was flawed in ways that prevented it from becoming a genuinely emancipatory force. It was vanguardist, had an authoritarian structure, and equated the conquest of state power with liberation. Hamstrung by such defects, the PKK's struggle stagnated in the late 90s before Asalan's ultimate arrest by Turkish authorities in 99. Once in prison, Asalan was forced to confront the failures of Marxist-Leninism, Boom, that's, that's going in on my ML friends. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That's. Uh, Apologies.
0: All MLMs who stuck <laughs> with us this far. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> right. um,
1: and the original PKK project, he started to read widely beyond the Marxist Leninist canon, fundam- fundamentally rethought his vision of liberation, and formulated a drastically new worldview to overcome the PKK's shortcomings. The name most commonly cited as a decisive influence on Asalon. In this endeavor is murray bookchin himself a libertarian socialist famously lived who famously lived in the u.s bookchin himself had been a marxist but he eventually developed his own theory of social social change that identified the tensions between capital accumulation with its imperative for eternal growth and the environment as a central capitalist contradiction according to bookchin the struggle to save the ecosystem has an inherently anti-capitalist dynamic and can unite the world's exploited and alienated classes. Bookchin's post-capitalist vision was a radically downsized society organized around autonomous, ecologically sustainable municipalities or communes. So those familiar with Bookchin's work would say that this is, um, I think this would be referred to as communalism which is obviously a very strong influence Mm -hmm. on the constitution of democratic confederalism. I guess,
0: um, to start
1: us off, this is, this is a
0: very, uh, this is a neophyte question, but one of the things that us, um, one of the, one of the divisions he draws, um, throughout the text is the distinction between a nation and a state. Um, Maybe this is a failure, like my own, my own reading. But what what is the necess- What is the distinction between the two? Is is it that a nation, is that is it that a state implies um, or necessitates some kind of representation, whereas a nation is doesn't?
1: Yeah, I think in his conception, the mm-hmm. nation is more so is synonymous with the people.
0: Right. It's it's the the. He, he touches upon how it can in, incorporate the demographics of a, of a, geopo, of a geopolitical region. Um, but it's, it's the people within a region. Um, but what, what's the defining feature of the state? Is it, is it the represent, uh, representate, the repre- representative aspects?
1: I would say so, or the governments or the, the decision-making being concentrated mm-hmm. in some type of a, more hierarch- hierarchical form than... I mean, I think sure. there is... Obviously, I think there is structure. Uh, I mean, obviously, that there's definitely structure within democratic confeder- federalism, but it's a far more horizontal structure than okay. something like a Republican democracy that sure. functions inside the U.S., for example. Sure. And then you add in the element of capital as well. And that sort of relationship like that co-constitutive relationship between the state and capital and how they sort of mm-hmm. go hand in hand with one another.
0: Okay, so so the state two two primary components of the state, two defining components of the state are um are not only the the presence of a hierarchy but also the presence of capital.
1: I mean, I don't think that 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 capital is necessarily Sure. Like you can have a state without capitalism. Sure. For sure and i think maybe let's leave this question let's move on because i think we're going to go through i've um gone through and highlighted several mm-hmm. sections of the text where ossalon really um and a lot of the actual the piece itself is really him interrogating his ideas of well, his critique of the state right so i think maybe that will help us figure out the an answer to that question yeah yeah let's let's, let's go ahead and do that sure so basically Ocelain ended up doing what many of us have done, and he googled Murray Bookchin. <laughs> yes. uh, a little bit about Bookchin is he favored a combination of political action and prefigurative organizing, the creation in the here and now of structures such as cooperatives and democratic associations that could foreshadow a better society. Political action in these experiments would, Bookchin argued, begin to empower ordinary people in their communities And I think really, I mean, this part here, I think, is, for me, what anarchist praxis is, is, like, focusing on the community level, um, building things like mutual aid networks. Um, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, some type of... And even though, I don't know if, you know, anarchists don't really use dual power as a concept, but I think it is definitely something that we should be working on to sort of have these extra governmental organizations at the grassroots community Mm -hmm. level that can do things like whether it be you know i hate to say like community policing but well there's a you know i mean like you could there's a function of the community to to sort of quote unquote police itself you could say community defense that's also on term Uh, yeah exactly yeah i like that a lot better yeah um, and so Bookchin's arguments were compelling enough to win over Ossalon, who in the popular narrative made a balance sheet of the PKK's failures and decided to reorient his goals to a similar kind of libertarian socialist, socialism rather, called democratic confederalism. Yes. And what I think is interesting here is, again, I can't remember if I mentioned this or not, but I guess the distinction between libertarian socialism and anarcho-communism I, there's apparent there is one mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um Difference. i had always kind of thought there was basically just a lot of over very well there is a lot of overlap yeah i, I
0: and I, I think that's something that's important for for a relative newcomer like myself to remember that um there there is a lot of overlap and that doesn't necessarily that's not necessarily a, a bad thing that's not a, that's not a sign of indecision um that that kind of speaks to the, I don't want to say the the ever changing nature of the stuff, but the the I guess the applicability of this stuff to real life. I mean, thing, things have to like these these different tendencies and these different schools of like of of praxis have to. Again, I don't, I don't want to say that that they have to be nebulous or anything to to work in real life, but there there is value in in the overlap, I guess that there is value in having kind of, kind of fuzzy
1: borders between them. I think it's really interesting because when you say something like, Oh, I'm an anarchist or I'm an anarcho communist or even libertarian socialist, for example, which I I have used, you know, those labels. And uh, I think it's really interesting that people, they kind of like short circuits, people's brains
0: a little bit, particularly in the U S normies are
1: like, yeah. Oh yeah. People that aren't, (laughs) you know, Terminally online leftists, sure. sure. They don't know what to make of it because they have this conception of oh well, communism automatically is or, or socialism is the, the state. The state. USSR. the state. Yeah, yeah like yeah. they have this conception of this of state communism or yes, state capitalism, whichever side of the argument you're on. There.
0: Yeah, and, and especially the term libertarian that that has such cultural baggage in the U.S. It it, it means like a Gadsden flag waving um, kind of gun nut, but that's
1: that's not what the term originally means, and that, that's not what the term means on a global scale. I've heard people, though, push back, to that even say that that's kind of not true and that that was, like, ch- maybe Chomsky was making shit up, but I don't know. To be honest, I don't know the history well enough to know.
0: I'm, I'm just thinking of self-identified,
1: like, Tea Party libertarians in, oh, yeah. in this country. Yeah, in that sense. But, like, I know what you're talking about, that the I've heard, had heard that the lib- term libertarian mm-hmm. originally was kind of synonymous with Anarchism, sure, or okay. anarchy, oh, and, or anarchy.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, I get you, I get you. Um,
1: yeah, I mean that—that that, that's just what
0: I had heard, and that's what I hear in the discourse. I'll have to, I'll definitely have to be looking into that more. Um, especially if if we're going to be identifying as libertarian socialists now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I think it sell. Maybe I don't know. Does it sell itself better? Like, does communism the, have such a negative connotation? Well, I, I think as that- opposed to socialism.
0: I, I do think for many people, for many normies, they're one and the same um, pe- pe- people who don't know theory and, ha- and have no interest in, in politics beyond what they see on TV. And, and I'm not, I'm not speaking down to them. Like it's, it's hard to pay attention to everything, but for many people, they are one and the same. Um, for many people, I think communism conjures up images of the, of the Soviet union, whereas socialism is kind of a squishier, more yeah. approachable term and care. and that's what that's what i mean when i say that the, these terms and these ideolo- ideologies i i appreciate the overlap i appreciate how they can have shared commonalities while retaining still very concrete differences because you can kind of modulate your approach when you're trying to talk to people who have no conception outside of uh the two-party system
1: we'll have to get our good friend uh at our narco toast to yes get, this, <laughs> get on this distinction and yes we elucidate that for us for sure um but i want to dive a little bit back into th- to the piece just to go over um, mm. some of the historical development of the PKK. For more than 30 years, the Kurdistan Workers' Party has been struggling for the legitimate rights of the Kurdish people. And just an aside, I still remember, um, I think, just my knowledge of sort of the Kurds, sadly, is all tied to the Gulf War. Well, not all. Yeah. I think initially, the yep. Gulf War, I remember hearing about and initially in the Gulf War that the Kurds were sort of allies to the U.S. And that was during the 1991 Gulf War. And then I think later on as well, um, in the subsequent invasion invasion there. I mean, yeah, that, that was my only
0: touchstone, um, for the, for the Kurdish nation other than like just seeing it on like lefty Twitter, just like, Oh, we're all Kurdistan support, support the Kurds, whatever. Um, yeah, just, just as, as, geopolitical allies of the u.s during that time period
1: when the pkk was formed in the 70s the international ideological and political climate uh was heavily characterized by the bipolar war the bipolar world of the cold war and the conflict between socialists and capitalist camps the pkk was inspired at that time by the rise of the decolon- of decolonization decolonization movements all over the world in this context, they tried to find their own way in agreement with the particular situation in their homeland. The PKK never regarded the Kurdish question as a mere problem of ethnicity or nationhood, rather, they believed it was the project of liberating their society and democratizing it. They also recognized a causal link between the Kurdish question and the global domination of the modern capitalist system. And I'm not, he doesn't really go into what that link is, but I don't know. I think maybe geopolitically, you know, we just mentioned those conflicts in Iraq. And obviously we, as the U.S., wouldn't be fighting these wars and even funding groups like the PKK. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if we've directly funded them or not. I know we have supported various Kurdish groups over the years.
0: I mean, but that that was specifically... Um, I I guess from the from the U.S. perspective that that was specifically to use them as kind of a proxy force. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, like that. That's absolutely yeah. But I mean that that from from a Kurdish perspective, I mean like if if he goes, usling goes into this a little bit later, but he says like it, it it's not antithetical to the ideals of democratic confederalism to to work with nation states to retain autonomy. Right. So like I I, I don't know, that it, it's not it's it, it's not against the ideals of democratic confederalism, which is what
1: I just said. <laughs> and then just to move on, um Ocelan goes on to I think uh his horse historical analysis of the nation state, um the co evolution of nations and capital and that sort of symbiotic relationship, and hopefully this will maybe go into answering a little bit clarifying your question Mm -hmm. i know there's a little bit later on he discusses nationalism as well but uh, let's let's see i'll read from the text itself on the nation state and power with the appearance of the nation state trade commerce and finance pushed for political participation and subsequently added their power to the traditional state structures the development of the nation state at the beginning of the industrial revolution more than 200 years ago went hand in hand with the unregulated Accumulation of capital on the one hand and the unhindered exploitation of the fast-growing population on the other hand. Capitalism, the new economic system, thus became an inherent component of the new nation-state. The nation-state needed the bourgeoisie and the power of capital in order to replace the old feudal order and its ideology which rested on tribal structures and inherited rights by a new national identity united by all tribes united all which rather united all tribes and clans under the roof of the nation but above all the nation state must be thought as thought as the maximum force form of power the nation state itself is the most developed complete monopoly
0: so yeah what what i was saying earlier there there does seem to be at least in ossalan's conception um the the nation state requires Capital is very much an inextric- is very much an inextricable um, aspect of the nation state. Um, when when the world was existing, when the primary form of government of the world was feudalism, um, I guess capital or cap- like the the forces of capital arose alongside that, and that and that that fueled the development of of nations.
1: And then yeah, hand in hand. And then once, because once you have capital Mm -hmm. and once you, well, I mean, maybe so more so the industrial revolution, once you have that development, then that really, that new material base kind of informs the ability of the state to, because you need that technology, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, arguably the industrial revolution, similar to the nation state, um, capital is as inextricable to the to the industrial revolution as it was to the nation state so it was kind of this confluence of of technological innovation um and the expansion of of non-noble not the the non-nobility having access to capital that gave rise to the the concept of the modern nation state
1: yeah and that sort of they kind of go hand in hand with one another in their development and their support for one another, because as you as society begins to get more complex mm-hmm. in terms of uh, its production, then by necessity the state must venture forth into increasingly aspects, or must increase its influence on the social.
0: Yes, uh, as as dis- directly as distinct from the feudal. Yes. Orientation, which preceded it.
1: Right, yeah, okay. absolutely. So okay. yeah, like you have your feudal lord, well, your feudal lord may not fuck with you or have any specific requirements of you. Mm-hmm. But then when you're talking about you have a factory that people are traveling to, that's going to necessitate some type of an infrastructure that a state can provide.
0: Yes, and um, also capital ostensibly can cross national, or, or can cross feudal borders um, so that... I don't know. Maybe strike that. Right? Out. No, but I think no. I think
1: that that goes that goes as well because then, like, let's say, if there's a bunch of feudal states or feudal empire, whatever, little feudal feudal regions, regions, regions sure. whatever, that have their own sort of ruling structure. Um, once you like, once capitalism and the nation state develop, or capitalism really pushes that need to like expand that out, so that you're not having yeah. this like you roads crossing different lords that you would have to pay sure a toll to cross their property or what have you you know what i mean yeah yeah that um yes <laughs> <laughs> um next uh Ocelan goes in a little bit on this the uh, sort of the nation the relationship between the state and religion i like this bit yeah um and i think it's interesting here too to point out that uh Ocelan was kind of a fan of uh, Nietzsche yes and I think probably yes. particularly more so once he was in prison I'm thinking he probably is probably when yeah I, n- I think in a lot of a lot of people consider Nietzsche to be sort of the marks of anarchists or for anarchists rather
0: I can see that it, they definitely e- even like quote-unquote, again, to use that word, normies, people like Nietzsche is up there in terms of philosopher, like more modern philosophers that people are aware of and um, in terms of importance.
1: So here I'll just read from the text a little bit about kind of this sort of critique, which I think really maybe this makes a little bit more sense within the the Kurdish state or the Kurdish situation rather, not For sure. rather than state because of the presence of the, or the you know impacts influence rather of islam today most modern states call themselves secular claiming the old bonds between religion and state have been severed and that religion is no longer a part of the state this is arguably only half the truth the separation of state and religion is the result of a political decision it did not come naturally and that's why today power and state may seem to be something Given, God-given, we might even say. Notions like secular state or secular power remain ambiguous. Which I think, I don't know if this is exactly what he's getting at, but I kind of get the feeling that he's saying that there's almost this holdover, this metaphysical, philosophical holdover from a more religious influence. Culture in Europe, maybe in particular, like historically the role of the like the power of the church i don't know if that that that
0: would be confined to europe because i'm thinking of examples like the influence of um of confucianism to imperial china um which is an extremely patriarchal um spiritual worldview um very much concerned with like the renovation of ancestors and everything and and filial the filial piety um but yeah i i read this as as the development of most the development of religions from a sociological perspective has a very materialist, um, and historical roots to it. Um, which, which arguably boils down to like the, the unification of of a region of people and, and bringing people together, um, in, in the state, the idea of the state does that in, in the modern world. Um, it, it does it in a way that's, I guess, in Auslan's conception, is is har- more harmful than beneficial, but that, that's what it attempts to do. Um, it, it tries to act as a secular religion.
1: Yeah, and I think in later on in the text, actually, he mentions directly that sort of if you want to conceive, you could conceive of nationalism as the religion of the nation-state. Yes, exactly, yes. But I think, too, I don't know if he's read Sterner. Maybe he has, or maybe even... Book- I haven't read Sterner. Maybe <laughs> maybe Bookchin himself, um, sort of... I I know that he had kind of denounced Sterner like later on in his life, but okay. he's truly Bookchin read Sterner. And that was one of big Sterner's big critiques was, look, or wait, no, I'm conflating. Now I'm fucking conflating Sterner with, oh, yes. uh, with Derrida. <laughs> with Derrida. So Derrida's whole argument, too, was that okay with along with now we have sort of this secular arrangement but western metaphysics has str- snuck in a lot of these um sort of idealist concepts mm-hmm. but just placed them in the package of like of a secular like they're in a secular package but the ideas are still still sort of present
0: yeah that that's one of the thing that modern capitalism neoliberal capitalism does um you have examples like i don't know there there are there are new age um spiritualities there 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 are ways to be to, to use the kind of tired phrase spiritual but not religious um because it's it's more focused in like a some, some conception of like this individualized um empowerment um but for that the the state still is religious in the sense that it has a structure, in the sense that it has a hierarchy, in the sense that it has an influence over your life, whether or not you you buy into it, I guess.
1: I think this more this is like a broader conception. Mm-hmm. This is like a metaphysical critique too, because okay. he goes in a little bit later about in about um sort of positivist science. Yeah. Which I, I thought yes. was a really interesting like that no that was that was a good part diversion. I, Yeah.
0: It was. It, it's weird that, like, positivism got its own little section, but uh, I, I, it, it makes sense. Um, it, was, it was just funny to see, like, it, it got its own right. subsection.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, a little bit more on bureaucracy and the nation-state. Since the nation-state transcends its material basis, the citizens, it assumes an existence beyond its political institutions. It needs additional institutions of its own to protect its I- ideological base as well as legal, economic, and religious structures. The resulting ever-expanding civil and military bureaucracy is expensive and serves only the preservation of the transcendent state itself, which in turn elevates the bureaucracy above the people. Bureaucracy and nation-state cannot exist without each other. If the nation-state is the backbone of the capitalist modernity, it certainly is the cage of the natural society. Its bureaucracy secures the smooth functioning of the system, secures the basis of the production of goods— and secures the profits for the relevant economic actors in both the real socialist and the business-friendly nation-state. The nation-state domesticates the society in the name of capitalism and alienates the community from its natural foundations. The part that really jumped out at me here was... And I think this too, this kind of... um, We discussed this a little bit about the development of the nation-state. I'm going to read this little this sentence again. The resulting ever-expanding civil and military bureaucracy is expensive and serves only the preservation of the transcendent state itself. So, this is sort of getting at okay, to in order to secure global supply chains, in order to have like imperialism there has to be a robust military and there have you know what I mean, a, bureau- a military bureaucracy, etc., etc., et cetera, to maintain the global capitalist hegemony, right? We've got to secure our shipping lanes. Mm-hmm. We've got to, let's say, there's a pipeline in Venezuela, just thrown out, just randoms. Yeah, It's mean- like, okay, so let's say there's an indigenous tribe. Okay, we'll bribe so-and-so. They exterminate this tribe, etc. We build the pipeline, like, Shit like that. That's kind of the mo of global capital.
0: Yeah, I just, um, I, I fr- from from this reading, it it seems like Uslan has he, he has struck with bureaucracy itself, the the term and the conception of of a bureau- of a bureaucracy. Um, I mean the the way I would define bureaucracy is is the processing of the logistics of. Of managing, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I guess in in this reading, I can see why it would be restricted to the process, like the managing the affairs of a nation state, and I, I guess that's what he's critiquing. But I, I don't know if bureaucracy, in and of itself, is bad, because I I, 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 would, I just process that that word me, or that term meaning administration of complex affairs. Or, or is that a, is that a mischaracterization on my part?
1: Hmm. I'm trying to think because
0: because the, the term certainly for a lot of people and, and and for myself a lot of the time when I read it it implies um, governmental bureaucracy it implies it implies going to the DMV or something it implies military logistics for for home or abroad ter- like dealing with the pro- those processes but i don't, I don't know if may, may, maybe this is me just getting caught up on on terminology or whatever but I, I don't know if that concept in and of itself is is first of all bad or first of all um necessarily tied to the the concept of a nation-state
1: i would say that i think what osalon is getting at with the in terms of bureaucracy is that a lot of times bureaucrats are not elected. Um they are okay. you know what I mean? It's like the, They're a- appointed. They're sort of appointed, right? And there's not there's less I think the implication is there's less direct uh, responsiveness to the people themselves. Sure. Whereas okay. and I think the approach of democratic confederalism is to try to eliminate a bureaucracy that is a sort of self sustaining entity that really doesn't serve sure. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: okay, the, just serve that. the
1: function. It's like eventually like these state and bureaucratic organizations and their procedures and their algorithms mm-hmm. only like they're not going to sort of relinquish their they they have a tendency not to relinquish things that they're given responsibilities towards. Like they're rarely giving autonomy back. It's always mm-hmm. going to be perpetuating some type of separation like you must fill out this paperwork et etc cetera, etc cetera. like sure. there's a commitment to a process outside of like whether or not that process actually has a function now
0: yeah um I, I think what you said about the the nature of bureaucratic officials to be appointed rather than to be um elected in any capacity at at best they're appointed by people who are elected at right. best um and and the the tendency of bu- I mean, it can vary though too sure but um, also the tendency of bureaucratic institutions to devote much of their time and energy towards perpetuating their, themselves, to perpetuating their own institutions, to, towards protecting and justifying their existence.
1: Even if elected, right? Like yes. I think the problem with institutions like the, like bureaucracy, state, etc. At least for me is they have. It's like eventually the reason people do things gets disconnected historically. You know yes. what I mean, and then people don't question that, and these institutions a lot of time get in that same trap of like, we're just repeating the same dumb shit because no one ever thought to like question. Right. Why are we doing something?
0: It's it's when institutions outlive people. And they, exactly. They achieve yes. a, sort of, a sort of immortality of the, their own. Right. Um, yeah.
1: There's yeah exactly. There's kind of a meta, and that's a little bit too that's tying that's a good point tying into the text is like this metaphysical idea of the state and like the good of the state is almost like a religious, like there's almost a religious element to that conception of the state. Sure.
0: Okay. Yeah. And it
1: transcending like the individual and that that could even be from like a communist sort of perspective, depending on, you know, if you're more like an ML or what have you, like the state has a function. mm -hmm.
0: I I think I was just getting hung up on on the idea of um, the term bureaucracy, meaning, managing affairs in an administrative capacity as opposed to um, bureaucracy as an institution.
1: And I'm not even sure, like, I don't know, I don't really glean that enough from the text regarding bureaucracy specifically to to know if I'm answering that question well, or if really, if Ossalon is even addressing it specifically. Other than, I think, democratic confederalism being sort of a counterpoint to a bureaucratic establishment. I do have further questions on that, but we can get to that down <laughs> yeah, the line. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the nation-state and homogene- homogeneity. The nation-state nation in its original form, aimed at the monopolization of all social processes, diversity and plurality had to be fought, an approach that led to into assimilation and genocide. It aims at creating a single national culture, a single national identity, and a single unified religious community, Thus it also enforces enforces rather a homogenous citizenship. The uh, notion of citizen has been created as a result of this quest for such a homogeneity. The citizenship of modernity defines nothing but the transition made from private slavery to state slavery. Capitalism cannot attain profit in the absence of such modern slave armies. The homogenic national society is the most artificial society to have ever been created and is the result of the social engineering project, quote-unquote. These goals are generally accomplished by the use of force or by financial incentives and have often resulted in the physical annihilation of minorities, cultures, languages, or languages, or forced assimilation. And so I think you can very, very clearly see this sort of playing out in the national discourse regarding immigration right now and the the um, camps along the border and such and such right but also like this goes to as well sort of you know we have our our friends the intellectual dark web (laughs) our good friends (laughs) our good friends beating the drum for like a western um civilization right this sort of western ideal or Mm. like this metaphysical construction yeah that oh we must be unified in this notion of western civilization that is great and has done xy and z and if you don't believe in that then you're not a real citizen
0: and what what's interesting about that conception is um it it's it it kind of transcends nation states to a point right like the idw sees the idea of the west as as all western nation states um but if if you dare suggest that in a i mean to put it bluntly a non-white nation state could 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 share in that particular cultural heritage um they're very quick to come down on those nationalistic borders so it, it's as it, it, it's so meaningless and insincere that it's as it's it's applicable when they want it to be
1: oh yeah i mean well obviously i mean even if you're talking western civilization i mean the greeks had slaves yes there was homosexuality yep. like all of these I mean, and that's just. Are you equating
0: slavery with homosexuality? <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> I know, I know. I'm
1: just... but that's just two things. Well, I'm saying like, oh, Western civilization. Oh, it's it's all this reason and blah blah blah. Like right. we don't like slavery. Like they never bring up that part of yeah. yeah or the aspect of like homosexuality.
0: encode and very much encoded, yeah.
1: Right, and thinking about someone like Ben Shapiro, right? That's like, oh, he won't bake a uh, cake for <laughs> for Dave Rubin. He, he won't
0: go to Dave Rubin's. Um, Anniversary party, yes, I think exactly. it is. Yeah, yes,
1: exactly. He won't go to Dave Rubin's fucking anniversary <laughs> yes. party because he's gay and he thinks it's immoral. Oh, uh, but
0: but that just speaks to like the the selective applicability. because yeah. he, oh, yeah. he he said something to Dave Rubin. He's like, I would go to a party at. If you just th- have a party. I'll We're, go to your party. Yeah, wait, wait, I'll bring a cake. It's I gonna know. suck. My with, cake's gonna suck. With with you with you and your husband's house, I would, <laughs> I would, I would certainly go to you and your husband's house just to just have a party. But it wouldn't be for your anniversary party. It would just have to be a regular party. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. It's, talk about postmodernism. It's it's as real as they want it to be.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I think maybe, th- like, they're the most nihilistic postmoderns that there are. Yes. Is the modern conservative or whatever umbrella, in my opinion.
0: I mean, maybe insults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: moving on a little bit, um, Ossalon has a little bit to say about nation-state and society. It is often said that the nation-state is concerned with the fate of the common people. This is not true. Rather, it is the national government Governor of the worldwide capitalist system, a vassal of the capitalist modernity, which is more deeply entangled in the dominant structures of the capital than we usually tend to assume. It is a colony of the capital. Regardless how nationalist the nation state may represent itself, it serves to the same extent the capitalist processes of exploitation. There is no other explanation for the horrible redistributive wars of capitalist modernity. Which I'm thinking he's probably talking about maybe World War One in terms of the wars. Um, because that was the big conflict over kind of like worldwide colony. Like mean, that was like the big firing point. It obviously yeah. continued. And
0: and as instigated through kind of this Byzantine bureaucratic entanglements that necessitated like coming coming to the defense of your allies, honoring honoring um pre like decades old bureaucratic treaties and everything
1: man i had a good point but i can't really quite articulate it yet i'll I think on it a little bit yeah we can so he goes on a little bit further into the ideological foundations of the nation state so maybe this will help kind of answer your question earlier sure sure hopefully um Assuming we could compare the nation state to a living God, the nationalism would be... Uh, see, the, that's the quote I was referencing earlier. Yes. To be the correspondent religion. In spite of some sem- seemingly positive elements, nation state and nationalism show metaphysical characteristics. In this context, capitalist profit and the accumulation of capital appear as categories shrouded in mystery.
0: And just to be really clear, in, in this in this piece here, the word positive means... It, it's akin to positivist positiv positivism positivism, um, which is like mat- materialism, very tangible things, as as opposed to metaphysical.
1: Show metaphysical characteristics, yeah. Um, if you, yeah, because if you th- really, I think, for the like for the nationalists out there that mm-hmm. have this idea of like this n- idea of the nation, mm-hmm. like. The United States is, there's no real, like, you know what I mean? This is just a concept that you right. are attached to.
0: And it, it's like that old trick, like you can take the, the map of the world and flip it upside down and it looks wrong, but why does it look wrong? It It's, it's wrong because we've been, we've been inoculated that way our whole lives, but it's, it's just as valid as a way of looking at like the earth, the, the physical thing that we stand on as flipping it right side up, quote unquote, right side up would be.
1: And I'm thinking too, this, like something like this applied to, like the Olympics, maybe. Oh boy, <laughs> it's
0: Japan Olympics next year, like Akira.
1: <laughs> but in the sense of, let's say you you root for someone from the United States, whom you've never met, yep. you don't know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's this metaphysical kind of construction of the idea of the United States that you yes. are sort of participating in and realizing as a concept yeah and it, taking sort of this pride in someone else like you know what i mean someone else's athletic endeavors right
0: yeah and it it's it's like predicated on what it, it, i mean it's predicated on you happen to be born in the same randomly and very arbitrarily region, designated right? ge- yeah geographic area as them um but yeah, it is much more of a real force than than material positivist force, many material positivist uh, things for many people.
1: I'm curious on this quote here, what exactly he's meaning. I think I know what he's getting at, but I'm not sure, so I'm going to read this again. Yeah. In this context, capitalist profit and the accumulation of capital appear as categories shrouded in mystery. So my read on this is, Goes to that sort of the maintenance of empire, the maintenance of the global hegemony, and economically requires the worldwide presence of military force, which remains sort of hidden, right? Like liberals, um, even liberals will say something like, "Oh yeah, well, let's we're we have all this military spending, etc." Why do we have all of this military spending? Let's cut the military budget. But I think that military budget is part like it goes hand in hand with capitalism in the sense again, like you have to maintain shipping lanes and you know, something as strategic as the Strait of Hormuz in the in the Middle East, for example, which is you know right there you have, I think, Saudi Arabia and Iran kind of border that mm-hmm. and it's a very challenging area for the military because of the, the like the depth of the waters there and it's an e- easy choke point it's an easy vulnerability which is oftentimes i think really why you kind of always hear this constant drumbeat against like the concern for Iran itself as a sort of a power in the region um
0: i i think yeah that that's kind of a kind of a confusing line um i i think my my read of it is on an individual level people who are relatively apolitical but have some conception of nationalist pride which, which for them is, is the most powerful metaphysical force in their lives um national pride is is very easy to comprehend for them, whereas the accumulation of capital, oh, why do you have to have a job? You have to have a job so you can make money to live, but what? why does it have to be like that? It's it's that kind of justification that's, that's shrouded in mystery for them as, as opposed to the relatively straightforward metaphysical um, reality of, of pride in their nation state.
1: But that nationalism will be used to support wars absolutely. of economic conquest too. It absolutely will. And I think maybe that is the point with the tie to the nation nationalist aspect, right?
0: I mean, I'm I'm not justifying nationalist oh, no, pride. I'm on, uh, yeah, on, on, on the on the part of these. I hy- mean, we're interrogating the yeah, idea, right? For sure. Um, but reg- regardless of regardless of the legitimacy of of either nationalism or capital, capitalist accumulation, um, one is much more straightforward and apparent to the average person anywhere in the world than the other one is. Um, nationalism is much easier to comprehend, even yeah. though it's as unreal and metaphysical as, um, as as capital accumulation is.
1: It's kind of a useful tool for obscuring. Like, you can get people behind your capitalist expansion um, in terms of whether, when it comes to military expenditure, right? Mm-hmm. A lot easier than, like, oh yeah, we just need this. We need to. <laughs> we need to- Exxon's profits are blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah mean, exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: it's 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 easier when when some concept some unifying conception of, of regionalistic pride is is tied up in it, and it's it's your team too. It's not just Exxon's team.
1: I thought I found it really fascinating here that uh, Ocelon is going in on positivist science, which is yes. kind of since I'm kind of. At least tangentially interested, or really—that's a lie. I'm totally fascinated by sort of the post-structuralist post-moderns. You are, and you know, positivist science—I think—is a big um, target of theirs as well. Yes. So I'm kind of interested. This is kind of hitting hitting two G spots for me.
0: It hit me. It hit me too, because um, I mean, I,
1: I grew up fairly Catholic, and then I became like a new atheist
0: for when, when I was a shitty teenager, and um, for a long time, like, just I thought I like material science reality like like that is the what the best way of looking at the world and that is the only way of looking at the world so yeah this this is an interesting quirk
1: let's hear what uh Ocelin has to say directly from the text the paradigm of a positivist or descriptive science forms another ideological pillar of the nation state it fuels nationalist ideology but also laicism which has taken the form of a new religion I don't know what the fuck laicism is. I have to look that one up.
0: I think it means as op- the laity as opposed to
1: the, the, the clergy of a religious system. Oh, interesting. Okay, gotcha. We know from quantum physics, astronomy, some fields of biology, and even the gist of thought itself that reality occurs in worlds that are beyond observable events. The truth and relationship between the observed and the observer has mystified itself to the extent that it is no longer it no longer fits any physical scale or definition. Positivism denies this and thus to an extent resembles the idol-worshiping of ancient times where the idol constitutes the image of reality. Hell yes, that is
0: fucking spot on. And um, I do have a quick definition of laicism here. Um, It's a political system characterized by the exclusion of ecclesiastical control and influence.
1: Interesting. So this really, like, this is kind of conjuring almost Baudrillard here. Yes. (laughs) In particular, this last sentence where he's saying that this sort of resembles idol worshiping of ancient times where the idol constitutes the image of reality.
0: And you kind of see this in in, in the the nationalism of the United States today, right? Like you have Barack Obama coming out and saying, um, encouraging kids to go to school and study, but to study specifically STEM courses. Um, because science, technology, edu- uh, engineering, and mathematics um, lend themselves very much to imperialism. They, they, they I mean, they, not exclusively, of course, but they lend themselves very much, exclusively toward—not like, exclusively—they lend themselves very much towards creating new weapons, creating new ships and airplanes and everything,
1: without any sort of um, like heuristic or framework for understanding the consequences or debating those consequences
0: yeah why, why the hell are you going to take liberal arts courses if you're getting like a an engineering degree why the hell do you need that like why why do you have to have a holistic study of of knowledge why, why the hell can't i just take my math courses and design yeah. a fucking
1: car or something i don't know or even i mean to me the most glaring example of this is uh like robert oppenheimer with the nuclear bomb right yes is like, just I mean, the fact that it existed at all, or like <laughs> the fact that well, I mean, there's multiple multiple facets there, but just oh, this idea of like, yeah, okay, so he participates in this project to create this terrible weapon, and yep. then afterwards is like, oh, like what fuck have <laughs> I done? Saying, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's um, it, it it it's fetishizing the process over 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 the holistic pursuit, I guess.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, because it's sort of like we okay we created something we have all like yes we followed all these mathematical and scientific principles to arrive at a weapon that could destroy our ability (laughs) to survive i mean and and even even on a more subtle level than
0: that we, we we follow these mathematical and engineering um processes to arrive to a point where almost or many people in this country have um cars that use the internal combustion engine and it is just as just as quickly, um, in a very different way, but driving us towards Armageddon as oh, right. as the existence yeah. of nukes are.
1: Hell yeah! Um, now that you bring that up, I'm just thinking. Fucking, you have me on this idea of like when I drive into work every day, yep, it's, and it's just like individuals and in cars sitting there. It's just so fucking stupid. <laughs> It's, it's so dumb. Yeah, I, I'm just
0: thinking, there's that classic, there's that classic bit um, from SpongeBob where it's the guy he's sitting in his he's sitting at home, then he's sitting in his car on the way to work, then he's sitting in his <laughs> office at work, and then he's sitting in his car on the way home from work, and then he's sitting at home at nighttime. It's just I don't know that it it it's one of those things that seems so obvious because you see it every day, and you do every day, but it it is ridiculous.
1: You're so habituated. That's the thing is like you have to interrogate constantly these things and i think yeah. maybe that's sort of something that democratic confederalism can mitigate to some extent because you're constantly getting feedback from the community as opposed to the way that our society is structured it's like you know what i mean you're so disconnected from any sort of decision making at the individual level right mm-hmm. that shit just perpetuates Like, it's so, how fucking, like, to your point as well, like, it's so fucking dumb for me to move from my house (laughs) to another place to sit and then, yeah, I mean, it's just completely fucking absurd. But not only that, I mean, even, even, like, a step removed from that is the idea of, like, well, if I have to go to my job, why the fuck am I sitting in this traffic? Why not? have some sort of community-based transport s- system
0: yeah and and why do so many of us that work in some kind of bureaucracy some kind of some kind of managerial administrative position like like why do we have to do this shit it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's imaginary numbers and in, in managing f- fetishistically managing the the management of other things yeah
1: management of management, even, at, yeah. at a certain level. And we can talk about David Graeber's bullshit jobs. Are you familiar with that at all? Uh, no. Are you familiar with Graeber? He's a he's an anarchist.
0: I've heard the name. I think you've mentioned him.
1: Right on. Well, I don't want to delve yeah, too yeah, far yeah, into that. Um, one, I think, this next section is, I think, maybe what I'm most impressed with uh, within Ocelon's work and democratic confederalism itself is its commitment to combating patriarchy. Yes. Yes. It's very impressive. Um, So I want to read this directly from the text. Uh, This is just kind of, I think, describing really articulately the sort of sexism in general, misogyny as well. Woman is both a sexual object and a commodity. She is a tool for the preservation of male power and can at best advance to become an accessory of the patriarchal male society On the one hand, the sexism of the society of the nation-state strengthens the power of the men. On the other hand, the nation-state turns its society into a colony by the exploitation of women. In this respect, women can also be regarded as an exploited nation within themselves, which I thought was a really good good call out there. Socially-rooted sexism is not less dangerous than capitalism. The patriarchy, however, tries to hide these facts at any rate. This is understandable with a view to the fact that all power relations and state ideologies are fueled by sexist concepts and behavior. Without the repression of the women, the repression of the entire society is not conceivable. The sexism within the nation-state society, while it, on the other hand, gives the male the maximum power, on the other hand, turns a society through the woman into the worst colony of all. Women's slavery is the most profound and disguise social area where all types of slavery slavery, oppression, and colonization colonization are realized. Capitalism and nation-state act in full awareness of this. Without woman slavery, none of the other types of slavery can exist, let alone develop. Capitalism and nation-state denote the most institutionalized dominant male. Man, that's like some Lacanian shit like the the phallus, the worship mm-hmm. of the phallus in a sort of abstract sense, is the nation-state, which kind of makes sense. It kind of tracks to that idea of, you know what I mean, like expressing power, um, expressing dominance, yeah, like that drive within us, and then maybe that's like the psychoanalytic aspect of nation-state is sort of the the castration of the subject. I mean, I'm stepping outside I mean, of the bounds of the text. <laughs> but I mean, like the text,
0: but metaphor- metaphorical penetration of another of another region, whether it be a nation state or an more indigenous conception of kind of, kind of group of of a group. Um, but yeah, the, the codification of, of what is interpreted as, or, or what is presented as male, um, traits, male, male domination and, and I guess oppression is, is very much, one of the same with the conception of nationalism.
1: I think in what Ossalon is going at here, I think is a lot of the unpaid or uncategorized, like women do a lot of work that is housework. Yes. It is like necessary for the function of society, but they are not remunerated for it right. at all. Right. Like it's not that shit isn't governed under capitalism. Like mm-hmm. there's not a profit to be extracted from it or but it's, it's more difficult to extract a profit from i mean I the was, subjugation of women i
0: was going to say that that hasn't stopped them from trying right like you have the idea of like a, of a maid or a housekeeper which it, which is very much um where we're socialized to think of as women's professions women's work, women yes. women's careers right um but even despite that when when you go home you still have to i mean you 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 still do labor of some sort to to keep your home from falling into disrepair, I guess, um, but that can't be commodified.
1: I think too a little bit of probably um, like obviously I think Ocelan's cultural experience is probably mm-hmm. a bit different than ours as well, for and sure. there's probably aspects of that that are playing into this critique as well mm-hmm. that are maybe more maybe different or pr- more pronounced themselves in different ways for sure than a sort of Western civilization or you know culture rather
0: yeah to to be clear i don't disagree with anything oh about yeah what was i mean here. Yeah. That,
1: that's not necessarily what i was going yep. i was more so just kind of clarifying definitely but I, I mean i think j- too just in general this piece as well like i think there's a lot of specific or a lot of a lot of it is tied to his specific background and the kurdish people as well that lends itself mm. you know what i mean like this is maybe something that like a lot of the specific aspects of this are tied to that and I, I, historical development.
0: That's something else important that I try to try to make myself remember. That I try to remind myself that um, the, the different responses to to capitalism as it manifests throughout the globe are going to be different in the way that they manifest um, in resistance to that.
1: I want to talk a little bit about. He goes in about the Kurds and the nation state itself and Asalan's commitment in, in not actually creating a Kurdish state. This is why the founding of a Kurdish nation-state is not an option for me. The call for a separate nation-state results from the interests of the ruling class or the interests of the bourgeoisie, but does not reflect the interests of the people, since another state would only be the creation of additional injustice and would curta- would curtail the right to freedom even more. The solution to the Kurdish question, therefore, needs to be found in an approach that weakens the capitalist modernity, or pushes back against it. So I guess this this raises
0: my my original question again: um, it, Is there a substantial difference between the concept of a nation, the concept of a state? Um, because, as I've been following along, um, the Ocelain has put, has plenty of, of valid critiques against the, the the concept of an of a state and the sins of a state and, and the the inevitable evils that a state will do but um he he does bring up the term nation in in not as not as derogatory
1: a manner Have, has he laid out that question in anything that we've read thus far because I'm sure I'm just I don't recall seeing yeah, it.
0: Yeah, sorry. Th- you you might want to cut this part out, but I I, I could have uh, let me, let me look really quick. But I I do think he made the distinction at some point.
1: I didn't remember seeing it. Yeah,
0: I could. I don't know. I don't think I don't think so.
1: I mean, I think you bring up definitely that's like a valid question, but I don't think he necessarily he doesn't brings it up it. that much in the text. It's pretty much he's going in on the nation-state right. conception without a lot of delving into the really nitty-gritty. It's just kind of like, oh, the nation-state does this, 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 right? He's not really spending a whole lot of time on it. Um, Let's move forward, I think, a little bit into this. It looks like we're about to jump into the actual, more so the meat of democratic confederalism, hopefully. Sure, yeah. And specifically, describing democratic confederalism, this kind of rule or administration can be called a non-state political administration or a democracy without a state. Maybe this will help actually answer this question. Mm-hmm. Democratic decision-making processes must not be confused with the processes known from public administration. States only administrate while democracies govern. States are funded on power. Democracies are stated are based on collective consensus. Office in the state is determined by decree, even though it may be in part legitimized by elections kind of what we were talking about that bureaucracy element earlier recall um democracies use direct elections the state uses coercion as the legitimate means democracies rest on voluntary participation democratic confederalism is open towards other political groups and factions it is flexible multicultural and anti-monopolistic and consensus oriented ecology and feminism are its central pillars in the frame of this kind of self-administration, an alternative economy will become necessary, which increases the resources of the society instead of exploiting them and thus does justice to the manifold needs of the society.
0: What strikes me as Ocelin's differentiation between a nation-state and democratic confederalism is um, the, the things he... The aspects of democratic confederalism that he says are inherent to it like it's 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 pro-ecology it's pro-feminism um it rests on voluntary participation it it, it, in, it invites differing uh, worldviews and conceptions it, it strikes it does strike me as kind of similar to like what democrats say about um about the us yeah um i i guess the the the, the material difference here would be that Democratic imperialism would not be reliant, would, would not incorporate capital. Um, yeah. Or and I, think,
1: I think that's probably the biggest stin- distinction.
0: Which which is a very substantial distinction, to be sure. I'm not just saying, oh, besides that one little thing, it's basically what Democrats say we have in the US. Right. Um, but it, it, it just, I don't know if that's a quibble on my part. It, it just strikes me as interesting that, like, the, these laudatory goals and in, in striving for them are what. Basically, Barack Obama said we we sh- should have or, or, or should strive for or idealistically have in this country.
1: Yeah, but I think you have to make the distinction between the way that capitalists, or rather the uh, sort of bourgeois democracy, has developed in a place like the U.S. Yes, that is far more detached from the community-based sure. sort of based consensus making that. Democratic confederalism is going to, in terms yeah. of its very structure, like there are separate women's councils that yes. I believe have veto power at sort of every level, every stage uh, that you go up in terms of these committees, and co- mm-hmm. really not well, is more like councils. There was an even better word than council. I think that was yeah, utilized.
0: The 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 word will pop up. I I know that what you're talking about. Um, and yeah, I. I the, the the absence of of this per, of capital or the pursuit of capital or like that being the overriding goal that that kind of does make or break it in terms of the difference I think
1: I think too it helps to understand this project in the context too of and it's we addressed it a little bit in the beginning in sort of discussing bookchin is we are sort of withdrawing towards a smaller more communal based organizational structure for society at large and so that by definition is going to be a more ecologically sustainable like that's the whole point too, is to sort of rein in the excesses and be a more ecologically balanced form of organizing
0: oh i mean rather
1: a, than a, like the mass scale of like the united states
0: right and i i don't want to get tripped up on too many Pedantic, quite frankly, questions right now, but I mean, I I don't see why that necessarily tracks. I don't see why necessarily focusing more on a local level means that there will be it it will be more ecologically minded than on the national level, or not 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 necessarily national, but on on a greater level than the local.
1: Well, I think you would have to interrogate the development of mm, sort of the city itself. Mm-hmm. Is is that not a is, local community? It is in a sense, but the construction of them is to, is in such a way that it's constituted by profit, by like it's the cities are constructed the way they are to serve capital, sure, to serve um, profit. Yeah,
0: like the the existence of skyscrapers because it, it is bureaucratic administrative space for these conglomerates and everything. Um, but I don't know. We have the, the, these cities exist now, and millions of people, billions of people live in them now. Um, they're, they're extant. They're not something that we can avoid in the future because they exist now.
1: Well, I don't know. There's ideas of degrowth that mm-hmm. I don't have the bandwidth to go into now. Yeah, I, I, like I said, like
0: I, I don't want to get too tied up in the pedantic logistical steps, but I, I, I guess... The re- the reason I even bring up those questions is because that that that's where I run into trouble with some of this stuff because um, we can't displace people from cities, people who live there, people who have formed communities there, um, and as as flawed institutions as they are, they they are the communities for for much of the population of this planet, and I I just don't know how to
1: sidestep that. And, yeah, and, yeah, I guess it's. I mean, too, this also could be an area where the specific you know situation of the Kurds lends itself to a right. more, you know what I mean it's it's not the imperial core that they're residing into exactly so the yeah. questions of governance are a little you know what I mean and,
0: and that's what I was I I had m- mentioned this a few minutes ago like I need to remind myself that th- th- this is a specific reaction to a specific localized form of of imperial capitalism yeah. um and, and it's Lessons can be taken from it, but right. it, it's it's not a one-to-one instruction manual yeah. for us living in Austin.
1: Right. And uh, too, like, just from an anarchist perspective as well, it's like a lot of anarchists would push back on even that kind of quote-unquote state that is created under democratic confederalism and yes. say, yes. this is not something that we really want. We want something more voluntary and autonomous and less, and uh, I mean, with even less I'll, like, I'll, rigid rigidity.
0: And I mean, ultimately, sure, but... um. When, as as Oslan says, when when you're residing kind of in between and within um, several contentious, very heavily armed nation states, you you kind of have to navigate that, navigate those threats.
1: Let's see. Um, moving a little bit forward, this is talking about participation and diversity in the political landscape, and I'll read again from the text. The contradictory composition of the society necessitates political groups with both vertical and horizontal horizontal formations. Central, regional, and local groups need to be balanced in this way. Only they, each for itself, are able to deal with its special concrete situation and develop appropriate solutions for far-reaching social problems. which I think again goes to that sort sort of more communalist approach that Bookchin really advocates and Asalon is really drawing his a lot of his inspiration from so you would probably have to google Bookchin a little bit yes on his notions of of ecology and understanding what communalism is and what that means because that's really the kind of bedrock basis that Asalon's drawing from
0: i think Bookchin is my next homework assignment
1: <laughs> <laughs> see i don't want to really go too much there i don't think we need to talk about i mean there's a little bit Aslan goes into how even empires had this sort of autonomous elements to them
0: yeah i mean like the classic example is like rome right like as long as you paid your taxes and and didn't revolt you could do whatever the hell
1: you wanted yeah i mean i think even more so maybe the persian empire was yes maybe even closer in before that too Let's see, ethics and political awareness. The classic, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily all that pertinent. I've got a huge block of text here. Let's see what Ocelon has to say about democratic confederalism and a democratic political system. Because I think this is really going to delve maybe into that question of what communalism is Sure. and flush that a little bit for us. Confederalism poses a type of political self-administration where all groups of the society and cultural identities can express themselves in local meetings general conventions and councils the understanding of democracy opens the political space to all strata rather of the society and allows for the formation of different and diverse political groups in this way it also advances the political integration of the society as a whole politics becomes part of everyday life without politics the crisis of the state cannot be solved since the crisis is fueled by a lack of representation of the political society. Terms like federalism or self-administration, as they can be found in liberal democracies, need to be conceived anew. Essentially, they should not be conceived as hierarchical levels of the administration of the nation-state, but rather as central tools of social expression and participation. What we need is the will to lend expression to the social needs by strengthening the autonomy of the social actors structurally and by creating the conditions for the organization of society as a whole. The creation of an operational level where all kinds of social and political groups, religious communities, or intellectual tendencies can express themselves directly, and all the local decision-making processes can also be called participative democracy then Ocelan goes further. I have already addressed the point that the local level is the level where the decisions are made. However, the thinking leading to these decisions needs to be in line with global issues. We need to become aware of the fact that even villages and urban neighborhoods require Confederate structures. All areas of a society need to be given self-administration. All levels of it need to be free to participate. And I think the ask here is, too, and this is a lot of Bookchin, is like, we get, we, so under sort of the bourgeois state, right? Like we outsource so much of our autonomy, our decision-making to the state, to the government. And we have to reclaim a lot of our autonomy back. Mm-hmm. And instead of giving it up and be a lot more like we're lazy because of the state, Yeah, like we're so divorced from that political process and are, this is trying to reintegrate us, like, in- integrate every individual to participate in a kind of community-based...
0: My question is, are some issues not completely outrageous to ask the individual to to own or to, 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 to step in and, and make the decision themselves every single time? Um, I'm thinking of... What's an example... Like the FDA says milk has to be pasteurized. Um is it incumbent upon everyone to know the process of pasteurization, to know what it does and, and why to do it, and to do that pro to, to either either do that process or approve that process for every every food stuff, every every drink, every liquid that they use to be pasteurized? Like I, is there not some utility in bureaucratizing or administrate or, or delegating some some processes and some questions to an administrative body?
1: I, I see what you're saying. You're tr- you're talking about like an efficiency gain. By... Not not
0: not, a, not even efficiency. Just well, I mean, I, I I guess it I guess it's efficiency, but it's efficiency on a scale of the the things we use on a daily basis there there are so many aspects that go into them just just on a, just on a basis of fabrication or distribution um could could you not lose entire weeks learning about these things could you not lose entire weeks just implementing the processes on a, on a basic level how 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 much control is how How important is it that everyone control every aspect of their lives to that degree?
1: I mean, I see what you're saying at the same time like that is the i think that's the cost mm-hmm. associated with like that sort of liberty it's like yeah, is to decide and i, I not to like. I think too the community can also decide, make some of these decisions. Isn't with, that just
0: delegation to like a different isn't that giving up the, the taking taking? Right, that control? but if it's
1: if it's voluntary versus there's a difference I think between the way that a capitalist bourgeois democracy structures that versus the way that even democratic confederalism is is operating.
0: And okay, but what what is I, I guess profit motive would be the difference then? The, 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 that that that's the distinction. Well, think f-
1: about your like. What influence did you have on this decisions that the FDA makes regarding? I mean, I, ha- pasteurization. I, have, I have
0: virtually no influence on the decisions the FDA makes. I I don't dispute that.
1: You could vote for someone who can have influ- an influence on what the FDA does.
0: Ostensibly, I, I have some very watered down influence. Sure.
1: Right. So I think that. Like that's maybe the cost of it is having a more global awareness of mm-hmm. the things that go into production.
0: I, I guess just that I, I think there's value in if, if I mean, not, not to get too positivist and like wrapped up in the science, but like if, if things are uncovered, if, if achievements and innovations on a technological or, or otherwise scale are, are discovered, why i don't think they have to be limited by locale and 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 i know that ostensibly people will different 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 local communities will will share them with other local communities but there's no guarantee of that and it it strikes me as a sin of inaction to not distribute in uh, achievements of innovation um Because of, I don't want to say because of like some limp appeal to freedom, but because of some like limp, some kind of like abstract appeal to to the the value of choosing everything for yourself. Hmm. Does that make no sense? I,
1: I yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. I just don't know if I fully. I don't know. Maybe I'm just less concerned with that question mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. Yeah, and and that's a very much that's a very much like in situ, like where exi- like I don't know maybe we'll get right to Ocelon and ask and like <laughs> what do they do with their camel milk or yeah and milk, I, milk or whatever I like I like, like I, may I pasteurize that
0: I did mention this before I I don't want to get too I don't want this episode like this episode right now to get bogged down too much in in pedantic step by step questions that. and I don't think that either. but um just... but that, that that's kind of how it breaks down because I I don't disagree with the things us presenting i i just i don't i don't in 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 this this kind of has been a recurring problem with me in terms of like reading theory or reading anarchist thought i don't see how they will be implemented or i don't don't see their their implementation that that hasn't been suggested and maybe i'm always willing to, to admit maybe that is just a failure on my part to read more so far
1: well, I mean, I think, too, like, let's put this in the context of the United States, right? Do we really need an FDA in Washington to decide how, what's going on with milk in Texas? Probably not, right?
0: Well, I mean, to some degree, yeah, we do. Because there are, I mean, assuming we live we live in a capitalist system, there will be bad faith entrepreneurs who sell milk that hasn't been properly processed. They're, they will sell milk right. that hasn't been pasteurized. Um, and, and they will do that because they have an incentive, financial incentive, to because it's cheaper not to pasteurize milk, and because they can, they can make whatever spurious claims they want to about their right. milk or whatever. So, it, assuming we live in a capitalist society, which
1: we do, I, I do think it needs to be regulated. What about this? Okay, mm-hmm. so maybe my perspective is this: so, like on the ground, whom, like I don't know how the. The logistics of milk production, but I would say that most milk is probably produced like in the state. Maybe Um,
0: I I think there's specific regions that produce much more. And and, side note the the fact the factory farm production of of food and and animal byproducts is not good.
1: To put it mildly, yeah, it's very centralized and like and exploitative and harmful and and
0: ultimately I I think it's not sustainable in the long run. Um, but just putting all that aside for a second. Yeah. I, I, I don't think in Texas probably, but there are other States where milk is probably not produced locally.
1: I mean, I just look at this and so many things it's like, we're already doing, we're already tackling so many of these problems socially. Mm-hmm. This is just shifting that responsibility to some degree or bringing it closer to the individual. Like maybe those, I mean, and two. I think you can fit this within the structure of a democratic confederalist. Like, there's commi- committees or what have you. Maybe higher along in the economic sector. Mm-hmm. And I want to do too. I want to go too long tonight, but there's a few sure. pillars here I want to hit on before we wrap up, and then I do want to go through this chart that I found online and that I think really chart. illustrates, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of illustrates at least the organizational structure really nicely where Oslan I don't think really got into it. Okay. Within the book. So we'll we'll table our, our milk chat
0: <laughs> yeah let's, <after. laughs> let's have, put the have, aside milk milk and cookies af- <laughs> after after.
1: <laughs> um, I just want to wrap up really quickly yeah. before I discuss the chart and hit a couple of points that Osalan lists under principles of democratic confederalism. Um, in the context of the United Nations, nation-states have become serious obstacles for any social development. Democratic confederalism is the contrasting paradigm for, of, of the oppressed people. Democratic confederalism is a non-state social paradigm. It is not controlled by a state. At the same time, democratic confederalism is the cultural organizational blueprint of a democratic nation. Uh, here's where maybe you were drawing that question about nation from he does say here, it's the blueprint of a democratic nation, but it's not a state. That's it, yes. Democratic confederalism is based on grassroots participation. Its decision-making processes lie within the communities. Higher levels only serve to coordinate, or serve the coordination and implementation of the will of the communities that send their delegates to the general assemblies. I think assemblies is the what I like. Yeah, assemblies as opposed to... Body, like council council or, or anything like that. Yeah, it had something about it. It sounds more egalitarian, I think. But what's, has a more egalitarian. But what's the difference if it just sounds yeah. nicer?
0: Eh, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, no, I mean
1: that's just another pedantic question. <laughs> However, the wait, hold on, let me back up. Sorry. For a limited space of time, they are both the mouthpiece and or both mouthpiece and executive institutions. However, the basic power of decision rests with the local grassroots institutions. Uh, Number four, in the Middle East, democracy cannot be imposed by the capitalist system and its imperial powers, which only damage democracy. And I think we've seen this play out any number of times in the Middle East. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Democratic confederalism. Kurdistan is an anti-nationalist movement as well. It aims at realizing the right of self-defense of the people by the advancement of democracy in all parts of Kurdistan Without the questioning of the existing political borders, its goal is not the foundation of a Kurdish nation-state. The movement intends to abolish federal structures in Iran, Turkey, Syria, and Iraq that are open for all Kurds and at the same time form an umbrella confederation for all four parts of Kurdistan. And then I just want to go through, this might be kind of hard to do, but... Well, you should definitely
0: tweet out this yeah, this chart. Yeah, um, for sure. It's it's not
1: complex. It it can be viewed really briefly. So we have, this is kind of a chart that I found online that sort of describes democratic confederalism and how it sort of operates in Rojava at the moment. So at the first level, we have a base, which is the commune. This can include a whole village um, or from 30 to 400 plus households in a street or of a city. Uh, so maybe that's kind of goes to your question about cities earlier the second level is neighborhood or village people's council comprised of the coordinated boards of 70 to 30 communes either in urban or rural areas the third level is the district people's council it is the whole city and perhaps the surrounding land coordination boards of neighborhood villages councils from the district people's council the fourth level is the people's council of west kurdistan Made up of representative of all district councils and of the organizations which are part of the lower. Oh, let's see, I don't they use an acronym I'm not familiar with there. The next stage up, we or maybe section here, is we have commissions, and there's a number, there's at least eight here. We have a defense commission, we have a political commission, an economics, a civil society, a, an ideology, a free society, a justice and a women's council. Most of the work of the communes and of the People's Councils is done through the commissions. There's also a separate women's council at each level. There are women-only commissions which work together with the general commissions, uh, for example, economics. And then we have Democratic Democratic Autonomous Administration, which has three councils. There's a legislative, an executive, and municipal councils. Um, So this is a really just kind of quick and dirty overview. I will post the graphic. Um, in the show notes as well. But I think this just lays out a kind of I have a, nice visual. I have Would a
0: you? question, and sure. it, it's one of my more basic, reductive, pedantic ones, but I'll make it constructive this time. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's assume the District's People's Council, which is the third level of organizing, um, decides to do something, decides to build, a, construct a building, but any given commune adjacent to the site of that new building doesn't want that to be built. Um, how is, how is that managed? Not, not even to get hung up on like that specific example, but like what happens when, when there's
1: intragroup conflict, when they're not, yeah. not, not, not intergroup
0: specifically um, one level conflicting with the decisions made by another level, whether higher, higher or below them above or below them. How I mean <laughs> the the basic question of this is how how is this different than representative democracy? How 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 does having levels of administration um differ than having local state national government?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it is premised on the lack of capital and the bourgeois sure. construction of democracy. Yes. Okay. But I mean I think that your question too is this is goes to why I think more that distinction between libertarian socialism and anarcho communism yes. may play a bigger may have a bigger distinction. I, th- I think that's what
0: it's coming down to. I think that's what a lot of my um, questions right now are coming down to, and that's my next assignment to. Yeah. Even- <laughs> I mean,
1: I would be curious to know someone that actually delves into that. I mean, maybe you would. I don't know how you would even. Find out that kind of information. Well, honestly. first, start with book Even probably, within yeah. Ro- well, even within Roj- Rojava, like how do yeah. you find out how that kind of how this functions like on the ground, right? Yeah.
0: I mean that that would be interesting. I mean, I guess if maybe we could tweet this out. Maybe we could ask people who, yeah. who listen, like if if they have any um, direct reporting or correspondence or, or examples of Rojava yeah. people. Um, actually, saying how how these administrative affairs are put into practice, that, that I would find yeah. that fascinating. Yeah,
1: no, I I would too. Um, I mean, I think definitely valid questions. Yeah, and I mean that's y- always the question too. It's like <laughs> you're. I mean, think think you're absolutely right. It's like yeah, a lot of this stuff we don't know. Um, and again, I think the difference with anarchism is anarchism is a method. Ultimately, it's not necessarily yes. a program the it, way it, that maybe other. Ideologies or types of socialists or communists operate, and I, I well. think
0: I think one of my one thing I continually get hung up on that I have to keep reminding myself again is um it's a method, but it's a continually refining method. It's an it's an infinitely improving method. It, 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 there is no endpoint,
1: yeah. right? And I also think yeah, right. There's not a like teleological structure to it, but right. I also think too that like a lot of this idea is just removing these artificial barriers between the people at the bottom level that are impacted by the decision-making like reducing that distance and having them be more responsive to the people itself. Like that is, I mean, there's value in that as as compared to like a bourgeois democracy where yes, it's like, yes, it kind of gives the, but you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm you're actually at your commune level, like you're actually participating.
0: And I completely get that. It's just once it gets any step beyond the commune level that I, I, I question how, how, how is it functionally different from, from representative or hell, even like the, the Aaron Sorkin, right. Idealized representative democracy, like, like free, free of influence of, of corporate structure, but like ostensibly just working in favor of the community. Um, yeah, I I, I would love I would love to see how this kind of thing is implemented actually in, in Rahava. Yeah, and
1: I mean I like I said, I think your question's absolutely valid and that's one I kinda have for myself too. Sure. Because I'm trying to negotiate. I mean, I definitely I am not I am very suspicious of state power. Yes. And I do see like anytime you're kind of creating some sort of class of people that are abstracted from the results of their decision making is where things can go very awry at any time right right. and so trying to like mitigate that distance between the individual and the decision makers is maybe that's the best that we can achieve i mean realistically you know
0: yeah i mean i mean practically speaking all all of all of these things are just fighting for whatever we can get It, it it's it's it, it's kind of a bummer, but like, yeah. <laughs> th- th- there will be no. It's anarchists. not a panacea, right? right. There's
1: always going to be conflict. There's always going to be right. unexpected problems. There's always going to be certain elements that we have to deal with. Yeah. But your approach to dealing with those problems can be done in a less, I don't know, in a more democratic fashion or egalitarian fashion. And again, too, like I think what you brought up, and I wanted to mention this too because i totally forgot but like i think there's also like there can be a tyranny in in consensus as well um in sort of that utilitarian structure right that Mm -hmm. like kind of john Stuart mill meaning morality or like
0: doing doing the most good for the most number of people yes exactly yes
1: exactly like that's also something that kind of feel like this feels like or even any type of consensus-based decision-making also reeks of that a little bit but I mean, again i mean
0: kind of kind of by necessity i, yeah. I don't know if that's if, right. if, there, if there's an even way to work around that yeah, while, but, while retaining the, the term consensus
1: right exactly so yeah i'd be interested to see what the like real hardcore ancom response would be to democratic confederalism i mean I, I, I can, I can imagine it I, can, I, can, I think i can imagine it it's just uh yeah i don't know it's um
0: I just don't know if you can retain certain structures or, or certain things without abstracting them beyond the communal level. Um, and, and maybe maybe the answer is to do away with those things, like yeah. airline travel. I mean, not, not specifically like through a commercial, hellish way that we do it now, but just like the concept of airplanes at all. I, I, I don't know practically, logistically how that is even possible on the communal level like different different communes working together or whatever um and like i said maybe maybe it's not maybe maybe the answer is to abolish it because fucking airplanes pump how much co2 into our atmosphere but um but yeah i'm i'm betraying my my nerd side (laughs) by like by getting hung up in in the practical applications but i i don't think those questions are are i don't think the answer is just like sweep away those questions yeah
1: true i mean you're you're asking good questions, man. That's why <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm good. I just, That's half the battle. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's good to ask questions. I mean, that sure, in sure. itself is yep. you're displaying an anarchist sort of uh, hell. Yes. <laughs> position. Of good. Questioning. Well, what about this? Good. So, I don't know. Uh, any any other kind of final thoughts before we uh, wrap up for the episode?
0: Um. I I I like that O'Sullivan's still alive. Like like like, cause just well, I mean, like I I don't read much contemporary theory from from living actors who who, who are very much still engaged with the process right uh, right now. Um, I, I I think that's good. Um, I I am interested in delving more into the the practical implement implementation of of these different levels and these different um affiliations in in Rojava itself. Um. Yeah, I, I guess the 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 mark of a good piece that I read is that it it spurs me on to read more, which this certainly did. Yeah.
1: Um I think if you're really interested in Rojava as well, you could take a look at the EZLN in Chiapas as well, another good group that not necessarily like exactly anarchist in mm-hmm. their makeup or ideology or whatever, but it is like it's in it's in that direction. Sure. At least. As opposed to like a like a more kind of ML or MLM type of uh, type of movement. Sure. But they're kind of doing their own thing too. Like they're and then I think that's there's a certain element of specificity to what is occurring in Rojava and Chiapas and um, you know what I mean. Like whenever it gets implemented on the ground, like it's not going to be as meeting these necessarily these ideals or what have you.
0: Yeah, and I I recognize that just like as as a piece of of theory or political ideology, it, it it's always the the shining star that you you try to strive for. I I, I get that. Um, I I guess it's the, it's the gap between that and,
1: and what actually happens is what fascinates me. Fair enough. Uh, now go ahead and take time to uh, plug whatever you want to <laughs> social media. Plug the the podcast whatever you would like.
0: Yeah, sure. Um everyone listening to this, um I expect you to have listened to Coop's excellent <laughs> episode of um of the Proletarian Contrarian. Um uh, my my good friend and co-host Lewis and I we um we do review recaps of bad movies, but we um or or movies that are movies that have poor critical reception, I'll put it that way, because we do end up enjoying a lot of them. Um but we elevate the good aspects of those movies. we try to look at it through a leftist lens. Um, we focus on some of the individual workers who contribute um their their skills and their their abilities to the different aspects of the movies that we did like um and yeah, we just try to have a good time with it and uh we have recently introduced um guest hosts for each episode uh, most recently coop was on for a dune like we said um that was a very good, that was, that was a very fun episode. And that was a, it was, that was, that was a fun rewatch. I, um, I was glad to rewatch Dune. But yeah, we're um, Proletarian Contrarian. We have a SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter. Our Twitter is at Proletarian C.
1: Nice. I will go ahead and remind you all that you can support us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash podcast CO Cooper Cherry. Follow the uh, Twitter feed at podcast CO Cooper. And Instagram at podcast underscore CO underscore Cooper underscore Cherry. Got to fix that fucking Instagram (laughs) one. That sucks. It is terrible.
0: I I think like... With most people, if you tell them, oh, we have an Instagram, they, they can search for podcast yeah. Cooper Cherry. So they, right. They, they or can search
1: my it. name. search Google yeah. Cooper Cherry yeah. instead of Murray Bookchin. You know, what,
0: you know what, just, I just, I've been meaning to ask you this for some time. You're not related to
1: Harry Cherry, are you? Like, I am. Not that I fucking know of. <laughs> Maybe distant, long lost third Maybe cousin or something. somewhere yeah. well back in the annals of time. Oh, yeah. I do share um, some type of haplogroup with Stalin from way way back in the really day, like probably like you know 40 to eighty thousand years ago like somewhere uh, in that fascinating <laughs> yeah but, damn that that's expla- my claim to fame that
0: explains the strong facial hair <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> um,
1: but once again this is podcast care of cooper cherry signing off and we will fucking sign off with some music this time so Hell once yeah. again enjoy enjoy the theme music
0: awesome the very rules of theory,
1: of negativity and synchronizing Including
0: the ultimate form of security, which is how characters can to the whole state of things
1: in view of violence without object anymore. This is the typical violence of information.
0: It's violent because what happens there is a murder of vanishing point of reality. let's not have a misunderstanding here
1: what I did mean is the following Please. with nothing left but recycle whitewash lobotomized people as in uh, block work orange.